With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Blackwell stepping up and throwing deep down the far sideline. Caught into the end zone. Touchdown, Jacoby Jones. How does that happen in the Denver secondary? Reckless speculation. Okay, you guys need to explain to me what is happening here in the aftermath of the Joe Flacco trade. And if you're just joining the world today, you've been at work, you're in your car, you're podcasting this later, Joe Flacco traded to the Denver Broncos today. So Case Keenum has, at the very least, competition, and at most he's just a backup, right? And uh, and then somehow that got spun into a Vikings-related storm on the internet today. Yes, and I and I haven't kept up, but you guys have. Explain well, this to me in the. I audience. feel like you know how like a fire forest usually starts innocently enough. Like somebody just didn't put out their campfire adequately sure. enough. Smoking bear starts crying. I feel like that's. I feel like I'm to blame for this. I feel like I I left the ember in the forest. <laughs> You just casually flicked a cigarette into, yeah. the, into the woods. Just, you, you were driving down the highway, <laughs> smoking a heater, and you were done. And it was a little dry outside, yeah. but certainly not that dry. I just flicked it out the window. I felt like you were reckless, but not completely. Right. I didn't mean Purple to start, daily. I didn't mean to start a forest fire with it. Explain so, explain what you did though, because I thought it was actually an intriguing question at the time, despite the fact I dismissed you. So I I we're doing Purple Daily and, and as the show is going on, we see the news that, as Phil just stated, the Broncos tr- have traded for Joe Flacco. They can't make the trade official I I think for a week or so. I'm not sure exactly what the dates are. Um and we'll pull the plug on Case Keenum and we'll essentially cut him and and eat the 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 loss of money that they'll have to take the dead money that they'll have. To I believe take. it's thirty days. They have to wait thirty days, or is it two weeks? Because the league year, well, the league year is no. It's a, it's about thirty days because the league year is like March eleventh. So I don't think they can come. It's something like that. But anyways, so they can't trade him today. I turned to Judd and I said, Judd, any interest in? Bringing Case Keenum into Minnesota to be Kirk Cousins' backup. Just threw that out there as some innocent, reckless speculation. Yes, reckless speculation. So we kicked it around for a few minutes. We kicked it around for a few minutes. We didn't give it too much credence, did we? No. And I said, and I said, no, mm-hmm. no interest. Mm-hmm. But it was not as if you were suggesting. It, 
or you took the next step, which would be, should they bring him back and he could compete? Like, that would have been like, whoa, Rami, 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 are you high? What are you doing? But I felt that you took a situation. Yeah, and I felt right. that you took a situation and asked a reckless question, but with, if this makes sense, a s- little smidgen of responsibility to yeah, it. Yeah, sure. And then, uh, so then I stuck around. I did touch them all with Phil and Derek. And find all our team-related podcasts. You can just go to scorenorth.com <laughs> or wherever you download podcasts. Mm-hmm. And search, say you're looking for... Twitch as well. Purple Daily, it's on Twitch as yeah. well. You search Score North uh, Vikings. Um, and I get out of the studio, and I go into our, our host lounge that we have here, and apparently all hell has broken loose in the Case Keenum, Kirk Cousins, reckless speculation, courtesy of Mike Florio of ProFootballTalk.com, who penned this little dandy. With Joe Flacco in, Case Keenum is likely out in Denver. Could Keenum work his way back to Minnesota? That possibility will be quickly dismissed because the Vikings have quarterback Kirk Cousins under contract for two more years at fully guaranteed compensation packages of $28 million in 2019 and $30 million in 2020. But let's not dismiss it immediately, he says. If the Vikings could find a trade partner for the balance of Cousins' deal, they'd take a cap hit of only $2 million. The question is whether someone would trade for Cousins' remaining agreement at $58 million. Then it gets really ridiculous, and I'll let Judd take it from here. <laughs> okay. So, so the, the ba- I, love, I love it. Dude. So the background by this point is Florio is an enormous Viking fan. Grew up a, a fan of this team. And Florio does. He, he's a reckless speculator who I think, for the most part, does a pretty decent job of covering this league and has for a long time. He's By the also way, been correct on some of yeah, his speculation. He was on the Favre thing well before Favre signed with the Vikings. But he will certainly throw out things that you perceive to be reckless but aren't awful. I did not know that Florio was a Vikings fan when we started this conversation. Yeah. Now I'm convinced he was listening to Purple Daily and he's probably listening now. Hi, Mike. How are you? We appreciate you listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Please. Send out a little social media promotion for us. We're Please. new here. We're right. new here. <laughs> Spread the word. So <laughs> Tell a friend. So Mike decides in his infinite wisdom to throw up three possibilities of teams for Cousins to be traded to. Traded to by the Vikings. To open up space, of course, for Keenum now to come back here and be the starter as he was in 2017. This includes, oh, and by the way, keep in mind, too. Kirk Cousins has a full no trade. So any trade, he can be traded, but he has to approve it, all right? So that's the important setup for the three teams I am about to give you. The first TV throws out is the Bengals, because Zach Taylor, the Bengals' new coach, who was the Rams' quarterback's coach for Sean McVay, comes from that coaching tree, and McVay likes Cousins. And Andy Dalton is who he is at this point. Sure, so. but it's Cincinnati. Okay, so so ask yourself question one. If you're Kirk Cousins and you're well compensated to play half your games indoors in Minnesota, are you going to raise your hand and say, of course I'll go to the Bengals? The second one, and this is my favorite, this is where Florio's completely lost it. Hold on, because uh, I have no idea. Okay, and I'll give, and, give, give a hint. Um, AFC or NFC? AFC. Oakland. No, desperate need of a quarterback. Desperate need of a quarter. Oh, Jacksonville. Yes. <laughs> Can I read the Jacksonville? Can you imagine? You're, you're going to have to drug Kirk Cousins yes. and get his lifeless arm to sign but, the waiver. But to- listen to the rationale yes, used by Mike Florio. This is fantastic. Second, the Jaguars. Former Vikings OC John Filippo is now the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville. Oh, beautiful. With Filippo also tied to Eagles quarterback Nick Foles, the Jaguars could explore either... 
and they could leverage the Eagles against the Vikings in order to get the best possible deal. Now, I'll go back and say it again. This involves you going to Kirk Cousins and his agent and getting them to say, oh, go play for Flip again? In Jacksonville? In a heartbeat. Reckless speculation. Really reckless. And then the third team, and then the third team, this is not, Jacksonville's the worst, but the third team is the New York Giants. Per a league source, Giants coach Pat Shermer had lobbied for the Vikings to sign Kirk Cousins before Shermer became coach of the Giants. While that may not bode well for Keenum to become a candidate to be signed by New York, it could prompt the Giants to bring Cousins back to the NFC East. Meanwhile, we check out on Major League Baseball. Anybody? <laughs> Nothing. Anybody there? No. Oh, I thought no. you were going to play. Some, I thought you had some crickets uh, or something set to go. Probably should have found some crickets set to go. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's deconstruct this for a second. Okay. okay. So many tentacles off this. Let's this reverse is engineer this, please. This is yeah. glorious. All right. Is <laughs> okay. <laughs> the mental. The wheels are just turning I inside. I can see the wheels yeah, turning. So all right. If there was a scenario. If there was a scenario in which Kirk Cousins was interested, let's start here, in which Kirk Cousins was interested in playing somewhere else, and I don't think there is. Okay. I think Judd nailed it. He gets to play indoors, controlled environment. He gets to throw to Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. He knows they're going to spend some resources on offensive linemen, so it's only going to get better, right? Um, he he seems to enjoy interacting with Vikings fans on social media a lot lately. Yeah, yes, posing Weird. generic questions every day on his Twitter account, He's giving away right. stuff. Yep. But if there was a scenario in which he would say, "All right, I'll go play for blank team, and uh, I'll sign off on this trade," if you could get a stopgap quarterback in here and draft one in the first round and have it be for a lot less money and more upside than Kirk Cousins, I'm signing off on that potential. I would look to explore that if I was the Vikings. And I, I've i come full circle from a year ago in which I was all about, yep, you have no choice. You have to sign Kirk Cousins. You do. But after getting a look at him, he is who he is. He's not ever going to be the fifth best quarterback in the NFL. He's just, he's just not, okay? So if you could explore any of these Florio scenarios from Pro Football Talk today, you should if you're the Vikings. So let's, that's my stance on this. You should start there. Would you bring I, I, back Case? I would entertain. That's the. Question. I would entertain the thought of trading Kirk Cousins. I brought it up a couple of times. You did. You did on the air. And in fact, in fact, I'm going to support you here because we got tweets back that were unclear that said they can't trade him because it would accelerate the cap hit of the guaranteed cash. Mm-hmm. I found a piece from For the Win late in the season written by an author who I didn't save their name. Clearly hates Cousins, but it's telling. It reads thusly, if GM Rick Spielman can somehow con a team into taking on Cousins' deal, the Vikings would save $26 million this offseason and be on the book for only $3 million in dead money with the with Cousins' new team taking on the $56 million remaining on the final two years of his deal. Okay. Cutting him is the key, which is not going to happen, yeah, of course. You know, you're cut eating it all. Cutting, right. him, cutting him means that you would eat the cash. But yeah, anyway, not, to, to Rami's point, when you brought up the trade... It is doable. Yeah. Now, now you got to get his sign off and, and approval. But we got immediate tweets saying they can't trade him. That's not true. If he agreed to it, they can trade him. Here's here, here are the wide ranges of of watching Kirk Cousins. Okay, I can talk myself into two different things. I can talk myself into he could win a Super Bowl if the offensive line is better and the defense is what it should be. 
Can the Vikings win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins? I think the answer is yes. Are they the most likely team to do that? Okay, there's all kinds of other better teams in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. But I could also talk myself into, yeah, you should you should trade him if you can and just start over with a rookie because he makes too much money and he's not good enough. Uh, and and the first half of the season, Kirk Cousins was on pace to break the all-time passing yard record and he was going to throw for 40 touchdowns. Second half, Kirk Cousins was a disaster every other game. So the the rate you could you could tune in on any given Sunday and you could see a guy who throws for three hundred fifty and four touchdowns and wow this is amazing and then you could tune in and see a guy who plays like Blake Bortles for three straight weeks right so he's he is sort of polarizing in that way I'm right there with you I agree with everything that you just said so I w- I would entertain the thought of trading him but like like we've pointed out he has a no trade clause. And why he would want to go, first of all, to Jacksonville, of all places, to play for the Jaguars, of all organizations, and <laughs> and to play for John Filippo of all offensive coordinators. Like, that is the absolute wrong fit for Florio to try and find for Kirk Cousins if you're trying to... Find a place that will that will satisfy this guy enough to where he'll he'll waive his no trade clause. That is the worst possible place that you could have recklessly speculated <laughs> that Kirk Cousins would would waive his no trade clause to go and play. And to bring this all back to Florio's point, if you were going to do this, and, and hi Mike, how are you? Yeah, and explore this exercise. I'm sorry, but I am not bringing back Case Keenum. To play quarterback here and well, start, and I would bring him back so, as a backup. I'm fine with him as a backup. Yeah, but it's, I, I it said, worked out very well. On the first Purple time. Daily, I said, I said, now it's going to to be a distraction. If if Cousins is still here, I'm not bringing him back, and I'm not going to bring him back to start. I would explore my options for sure, but it would have nothing to do with Case. Does Case Keenum struggling in Denver and then essentially being on the outs now? Now that they've traded for Joe Flacco, does that validate our debates? that we had all the people that the Vikings are out of their minds, or do we have to see Case Keenum back with the Vikings no. in order to prove no, whether val- or not? We're, no, we're validated. Because there's a lot of people that still sit and say, hey, man, there was a magic chemistry between Case Keenum and the rest of his teammates. He's, I think he's very clearly a better leader. Just He's just yeah, a better... He's, whatever the... like, the, He has better chemistry with his teammates. I think guys like him more. Sure. It's fair to say. But no, uh, we are validated in my mind completely and and i think what the vikings are going to try and recapture now with kubiak is the uh personnel philosophy and the coach player relationship hoping that kubiak and cousins can have what Shermer and keenum had which i think was key but i think the vikings made the exact right call i think you looked at 2017 and the 13 and 3 year and the playoff win against the saints and said this was an incredibly special year but this is not Repeatable, And whether Cousins is the guy or not, I don't know. But if you had brought Keenum back in 2018, I think the story is ve- is very much the same, or in my mind, probably worse. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like Florio, he likes to float notions that aren't completely impossible, but he's just pushing to see how far he can go and maybe lure front offices into thinking the way that he is, right? That I mean, well, if Vikings, I float yes. this out, I wonder if the yes. Vikings would consider this. Yes. He <laughs> loves the Vikings. Well, what was the one? He hates Kirk Cousins right now. He had a great, and, and this is, I think you and I had this probably even before Florio wrote about it, but we looked at what happened with the Saints and Drew Brees' contract and the Vikings quarterback situation and said a year ago, actually it was during Super Bowl week, it was Radio Row, we said, 
you need to be all about calling Drew Brees. He, has, he hasn't signed anything yet with the Saints. Be all about it. And I feel like Florio was trumpeting that for about three weeks before Drew Brees finally said. And then even after Drew Brees said, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Saints or Saints or nowhere. It's kind of where I'm, yeah, I haven't signed anything, but I'm Saints or nowhere. And even after that, Florio was like, he hasn't signed. He hasn't signed. You got to make the phone call. And he was right. So Mike Florio, welcome to the Reckless Speculation Club officially. We love you. And go look at the uh, <laughs> the mentions in that <laughs> in that tweet where he has the article floating the Kirk Cousins trade. Just go go look at some of the responses and the mentions to Mike Florio and him going back and forth with everybody. There was one where he said, um, "Oh man, let me see if I can find it." it says, "I wonder how many of these Case Keenum and Kirk Cousins experts." Watched all of Minnesota's games in 2017 and 2018. Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner responded, I did. <laughs> <laughs> the, other, the other hilarious tentacle off of this Joe Flacco trade today, Rami pointed this out to me this afternoon. Broncos.com, DenverBroncos.com. Okay? The Broncos are the team that traded for Joe Flacco. And Broncos.com has a story. Report, colon, Broncos to trade for quarterback Joe Flacco. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter and several other media reports, the Broncos have agreed in principle to trade for Ravens quarterback Joe Flacco. The Broncos cannot comment on or confirm the reported trade. <laughs> which, is us, which happens to be us. The, the call is, is coming. We, we can't right. comment. The, the on call this. is coming from inside the house. Get out! It's hilarious. So are they? So my question is: is is DenverBroncos.com? Are they also posting stories about reports that are completely fabricated and or incorrect? That would or be great. are they just posting the ones that they know are correct and that they're safe in putting on? My the guess is they is they probably were, were told well. You can't report this from us, but we're going to look really stupid if we don't acknowledge the fact that we just acquired Joe Flacco or agreed to. Just go ahead and say reports. I've never seen another team do that, though. I've, I've never, ever witnessed it. Because this has happened before where deals are done and nobody can officially announce it. I've never seen a team. What hap- you know what? That That's a good point. What happened last year when Washington got Alex Smith at the Super Bowl? And and the same thing. and it They couldn't announce right. it until March. Did... Did Washington's website then go with that as a report? That's go a really good question. Outlets are reporting. <laughs> Reckless speculation is we just acquired Alex Smith. So I just did a quick search for Redskins.com, Alex Smith trade, and the first thing I could find is March 14th as a as a date. Okay. Which and is, the trade would have been during Super Bowl yes, time, right? Yes. Because it was Super Bowl week that that trade We were on came uh, out. At, at the mall. Sitting yeah. there talking about the trade, but it had been agreed to, but it can't go officially through till March. Okay, so their their website definitely ignored it, but Broncos.com didn't. Broncos.com. <laughs> if I'm Broncos.com, I'm putting everything up. <laughs> just like just wild speculation. Report John Elway it with friction with coaching staff or something. <laughs> Kirk the Broncos Cousins. cannot confirm or deny. Kirk Cousins on the trade block. <laughs> How remarkable is it though, as as we talked about on Purple Daily, that John Elway, of all people, cannot find a quarterback. What do you mean? He found Joe he found a champion. But he think found about an elite quarterback. But this today. is how many now? <laughs> Peyton, who couldn't throw. Um, who's the kid? Uh, Osweiler was the quarterback for a while. Was it Paxton Lynch for a hot tick? Yep. Go through the Elway quarterbacks. 
He likes tall quarterbacks. Joe Flacco is very tall. Yes, he is. Joe Flacco is about six foot six. Yes, he is. Tall, long necked quarterbacks. <laughs> he does have a long <laughs> neck. Yes. Joe Flacco and Brock Osweiler both have really thought about that long before. necks. Yeah. It's, it's a good scouting option. Not Mike Glennon. They're not, they don't have like Mike Glennon neck, but. They have some <laughs> extraordinarily neck. long necks. Well, only a Bears fan would bring up Mike Glennon neck. Mike Glennon's neck was so ridiculous. I shouldn't say was. He's still alive. It- <laughs> <laughs> no, he's dead to you. Don't worry about it. You're a Bears it fan. It is so ridiculously long. Like, there's some pictures. Uh, if you just search Mike Glennon neck, there's some pictures on the internet where you catch him at the right angle, and the dude is literally like a giraffe. It's insane. John Elway's like, I don't, I don't just want my quarterbacks to be able to see over the defensive line. I want them to be able to see outside the huddle and survey the defense <laughs> while they're huddling. Hold on a second. I have to look up Mike Glennon's neck now. I want I never... him to see the landscape outside of the stadium. Mike Glennon also, <laughs> also looks... Like Napoleon Dynamite a little bit, too. Yeah, he does. Long neck Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, my gosh. Oh, on Wikipedia. This is a, this is impossible. Here, turn that. Let me see. <laughs> now, some of these are I've photoshopped. Never, no, this but, is real. Yeah, that's aggressive. <laughs> that is a, that's a giraffe. He's a bottle of Corona. Yes. What? With the lime. <laughs> I, wow. can't, I can't believe nobody ever pointed this out before. No. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> when we come back here, actually a couple things. We are going to talk. Hey, Jonathan, an on-air production meeting. Is uh, is it pronounced Nick Zerwas? Yes. Nick Zerwas is the co-sponsor of the Minnesota Sports Gambling Bill that's going to come out this week. We talked about this on, was it yesterday's show or Monday show? Yesterday. And he's going to join us today. At 4.40 or in about 20 minutes from now. Later on, we'll bring back in other news. And when we come back, a Rami hockey take. Yeah. Hot, hot hockey take. <laughs> Judd's going to love this. Is this going to make Judd's head explode? <laughs> Probably. Because sometimes when you bring the hot hockey takes as a non-hockey guy, I brought Judd can get pushed into a corner. Danny so. Cunningham and I last night went out and got some uh, happy hour boneless wings and beers. And the hockey game was on TV. And I... I observed something, and he was like, you got to tell Judd that. I was like, all right, I'll okay. do it tomorrow. That's Maggie gonna, and Judd with Rami. That's that's going to happen when we come back here. Uh, right now, let's talk about the best car dealership and service department in the Twin Cities. That would be Luther Brookdale Toyota. And their website, very easy to remember. It's LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. I love to peruse around the pre-owned inventory section of LutherBrookdaleToyota.com because they have all kinds of great deals on Cars that you would think, oh, that's a lot of mileage. Oh, 50,000, 100,000 miles on it. You know, 2000, uh, 2013 Camry here with 100,000 miles on it. You can drive Toyotas up into the 200s with no problems, especially if you are taking your vehicle to a great service department like the one I have for years and years. I had a 1992 Camry, uh, Camry that was in my family. Three or four different people drove it, including me. And we drove that thing up to 284,000 miles with very little problems. So durability with Toyotas, you get reliability with the service department, and a great location on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. Luther Brookdale, Toyota. Score North Live with Matthew Collar. Live afternoons 2 to 4. Collar loves sports. He knows stuff. Score North Live with Matthew Collar. With a cast of pals who know sports, breaking down the hot sports topics of the day. Sports talk and your thoughts. And live guests. Score North Live with Matthew Collar. Live afternoons 2 to 4. Score North. Scorenorth.com.
Mackie and Judd with Rami here on the all-new Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. I'm Rami. There's Judd Zolgad, Phil Mackey. And uh, last night, me and uh, our intrepid Wolves reporter, Danny Cunningham, which we're neighbors, by the way. I didn't realize how close I lived to him. We're like basically neighbors. A block or two away? or Yeah, pretty much. He's yeah. like a block away from me. So yesterday we went out uh, to a local spot for some happy hour wings and, and beers and whatnot. And uh, he found my dog's boot, which I lost on our evening walk. Oh, really? Of, yeah. Um, I saw you tweet out to the masses. Yeah. And then he showed up at my door with said boot. Where did so he find he it? He came up clutch. Actually, right where I thought it would be, along along the, the route that me and my dog walk every night. Can but, I say this? Yeah, sure. That seems sort of weird. That my dog like wears Danny, boots? No, no, no. Oh. No, I'm fine with that. <laughs> that Danny Cunningham, of all people, shows up at your door with, I found your boot. <laughs> For your dog. Doesn't that sound like the start of like, oh, Danny Cunningham's a great guy, and by the end, he's killed you? Like a fatal attraction thing? It's not like he came out to his door and said it like that. (laughs) No, but I'm saying at the start of of a film. I found your boot. But at the start of a film, it would be like, oh, Danny Cunningham's my new friend, and he found my dog's boot, and then by the end, he's like, killed you or something. (laughs) I'm just throwing it out there. Does it not seem a little bit odd that it was Danny, of all people in Uptown? He's boiled my dog. We joke about this in the prep room. Judd has this amazing ability to see this line. Everybody's kind of looking at it. And Judd's like, I'm going to go about a mile over it. That's true. Just take it to the furthest degree. Yep. Here's the it line. Amazing. There's Judd. Up to the next stop line. Just an observation. Then Cunningham found the dog's boot and he I find a, it on. He has a unique ability to take it to a very dark place all the time. This and then he, really he murders everybody. <laughs> this is true. Judd Grisham. <laughs> So after Danny stalked me Judd and returned Crichton. my dog's boot, uh, we went to a local watering hole. We're having we're having some wings, we're having some drinks, we're talking, and there's Minnesota Wild Hockey on the TV. And a goal is scored, and I turned to Danny and I made an observation. We heard that. And he goes, You got you gotta tell Judd that tomorrow. That's a great take. You gotta share that with Judd tomorrow. I was like, so all right, well, I will. And so here we are. Um, it seems to me, as an uneducated hockey observer which is what I admittedly am, that the vast majority of goals scored in hockey are luck and happenstance. Yes! Oh, yes! oh this is a clear setup. Give me no, a shot at Harrison. This is a clear setup. Is this, this is a setup. Is this something that's been observed before? No, no. no I swear. No. I swear. No, you I talk. Sw- no. I know what you I, did. Judd, I swear to God. This is a thought I've had for a long time. I haven't heard anybody else bring it up. And I brought it up last night with Danny, and he said that I got to tell you. Because every time, now I, I'll admit, before I got here, I did not watch a lot of hockey, okay? And even since I've gotten here, I haven't watched that much hockey. You're in the state it's of just, hockey. It's just never been my sport. I'm going to try to learn it. Mm-hmm. I told you that. Mm-hmm. I asked you if I could attend a game or two with you to teach me the sport. Of course. Because you seem to know it very well. Judd will teach you everything about how terrible every player is on the ice. <laughs> no, just everyone should be fired. Just wild players. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but it seems to if me. If it's the Blackhawks, I love Patrick Kane. The little bit of hockey that I've observed, and most of it is highlights on SportsCenter, that most of the pucks that end up in the goal All right. were not, th- that's not the plan that the guy had when he sent it off his stick. Like he's aiming for like the upper right hand corner and it hits a skate and ricochets up into the air, hits off a guy's shoulder pad, off another guy's face mask, <laughs> goes down onto the ice, okay, and that, between the goalie's right, legs. Right, okay, like it's, it's never planned and designed and executed the way that, that the guy meant when he shot the shot. Okay. 
There are goals that are scored off people's breezers and their butts, all right? But did you see the Flyers goal last night? There was a shot from the top of the slot that was a double deflection. The first guy deflected it, and then it, came, it got to the On purpose, okay. yes. And the guy deflected. So that looked like a fluky goal. It was actually a very nice goal. Wait, so, 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 there, wait, so someone, someone took like a wrist shot or a slap shot? Yep, from the top of the slot. And, and it got redirected not once, but, but twice, twice. And beat Dubnik. Yes. That takes a lot of skill. The double deflection. That takes a lot of... Is this of, like the magic bullet in the JFK assassination? <laughs> like, well, that like, actually, I think... like, no, I planned it like that. That's I think exactly that actually curved by itself. <laughs> I, I don't think that there were people actually deflecting the bullet off themselves towards... Do teams practice a double deflection? Or because because the you know the, redir- the, the redirect is a very common yep so here's where I will defend and I am I am born and bred in Minnesota okay and I understand this is the state of hockey all right but my list of favorite sports goes something like baseball football basketball golf and hockey is is somewhere after those things and I have asked Judd a lot of the we've had debates about this in fact one of the biggest debates we had was when I came in here and told Judd. Playing goalie is the easiest position to play in all of professional sports. Yeah, that was not because a, even a good the fight. even the worst goalies in the NHL are stopping like eighty eight percent of shots. You just you can bring a dude in from the crowd as a backup, and he doesn't get steamrolled in a period. And what was it? The Blackhawks that brought in like a guy from the yeah, crowd like an accountant to play goalie. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that's that's. I don't want to make this a big. Pile on, you know, pile Judd on Judd session. Yeah. But I have asked Judd some of the same questions to try and understand the nuances of hockey. But there are some fluky goals, for sure. It seems yes. like most of them are fluky, Judd. No, I wouldn't say most of them. Uh, I wouldn't say most of like them. Like 60%? Eh, it's probably a little bit too high. I mean, there's some... Did, did you see Did you see the uh, uh, Claude Giroux slap shot last night that beat Dubnik? That should have been stopped glove side, but was a gorgeous shot. That's not fluky. Like, that's a good shot. He should stop it, but it's a hell of a shot. So I would say there are there are definitely because of the amount of people in front and the and the deflections that occur there are some what appear to be fluky goals but at times there You're telling are me that some goals some of are this really stuff nice. is actually planned like he's like I'm gonna hit it I'm up. saying this guy's skill, skate I'm saying and that guy's shoulder pad. I'm saying that there can be skill <laughs> with that where you think there is complete fluke there can be skill involved they I'm not saying that they sit there and practice these things all day long but there are some skill sets brought to the game and to goals that are that make it not as fluky as you think they are. So my to 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 help illustrate Judd's point here, my observation after really engaging in this the last 5 years even more because my co-host for the last 5 years has been a diehard hockey fan and so I have I have tried to come to his side as much as I can. I'm never going to be the diehard hockey fan that Judd is. But my interpretation of what creates goals in hockey is not necessarily like to what Rami's saying. The end result of a lot of goals is all oh, ping, 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 like right. off someone's skate, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the process that leads to goals in hockey is work rate and possession, mm-hmm. and the teams that can control the puck and cycle the puck, and that can create chances. Right? It's kind of a volume game. You, you might you might shoot the puck fifty or sixty times. Thirty might be on net. Twenty might be off net, and you might only score once or twice. So the more chances you can generate in hockey, the better chance you have of unclogging the bottleneck, and I, so I, to speak. I think it's fair to say that that what's weird about it, if you are, let's say, a football or basketball fan, is hockey is based on a lot of broken plays. So, like, if if you have a perfect football play, 
That's really not a broken play. It's it's designed. It's designed on Wednesday. Uh, basketball has a lot of set plays, so there, there's probably not a, there's probably not a ton of flukes to baskets. Hockey had a lot of broken plays, but I wouldn't call that all fluke or dumb luck because there there is a skill involved in being able to adjust and move that quickly. Do you guys know what a uh, Rube Goldberg machine is? I don't think so. So, like the most the most famous example is in like uh, the Pee Wee Herman movie. And like that, that thing that made his breakfast, like usually okay. it's like a ball is rolling and it like knocks over a domino yeah. that falls onto something else and like it drops a net. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and like it, it takes all these things like happening for like a very, a very simple result in the end. That's what I feel like Judd is saying most hockey goals are. Like, it looks like it's on accident, but he really planned for the puck to go here, bounce off this thing, go here, bounce off that thing, yeah. and then fall in the net. My biggest frustration about hockey is it doesn't often enough reward good process. So when you get into yes, a series or yes, a game, that'd be true. One team, if you if you watch a football game, pretty rarely if one team dominates yardage and yep. everything, that team's going to win by three touchdowns. In the NBA, if I if we're dominating, you know, if if everything, pace, whatever it is, they're going to win. In hockey, it might just be if the ice is tilted, it might just be one team gets 50 shots off, the other team gets 10, but the the one one team's goalie yeah. gave up a bad goal and you lose two to one. Let's take one call on this before we get into the Minnesota sports gambling bill. James, you're on with Mackie and Judd and Rami. Hi. Um, so I am with Judd on this. Uh, I played hockey all my life. My roommates actually, he played basketball all his life. And we've had this debate many times. And to me, scoring the goal is kind of like rebounding. So rebounding can be random at times. I mean, if there's a long rebound, uh, guys are just clanking threes. Um, a guard's going to have a ton of rebounds when in actuality, my roommate will tell me, well, he's not a very good rebounder because it's all about positioning uh, in front of the basket and stuff. So to me, hockey's like that. Um, so to the casual observer, yes, it looks lucky, but it's about the positioning in front of the net, the tips and uh, the skill with the stick to get the puck uh, into the goal. So we've had this debate back and forth, and I, I think to the to the fan who doesn't know hockey, yes, it looks random, but there's actually a method to the madness, uh, much like rebounding. So, thank you, James. So, it and there are all kinds of goals scored on second and third chances in hockey. I have always said, and this is way too radical for hockey, will never do this, but if you really wanted it to be about just basic skill and the players who are the quickest, the fastest, have the best hands, if you wanted to reward those players, you would make it easier either with wider nets or take a guy off the ice to make it less clogged or widen the ice sheet. If you wanted to truly highlight skill in the NHL, like first chance skill, not second chance cleanup goals, you would give players more space. You would give them more area to shoot, more surface area to shoot, although that doesn't really help in soccer because yeah, that net is fairly large. Um, <laughs> that, and that would get, that would get, if games were like 10 to 7, because all the skill was on display, I would be all in. So this hockey. is an observation, though. That's I'm not I'm not like unique or new in making this observation. No. This is something that's been no. that's been said and been debated long before I ever thought it and said it out loud. Yes. Okay. Good. But right. it does make sense. And and I'll go back to to the fact that it's hard to it's hard to wrap your mind around the fact that broken plays often work because in most sports they don't. Like in most sports, in most sports. It makes sense that the ball goes X, Y, Z because that that's where the ball is supposed to go. 
in this sense, it's I'll shoot, it deflects, but there's still some, as the the caller, I believe you said, there's still some method to the, to the madness. Yeah. There's a, ama- I mean, really, there's amazing skill if you watch the way that Sidney Crosby distributes, or if you watch the way that Alexander Ovechkin can get any Connor shot McDavid. off I know, on a whim, right? Look, I don't even know how to ice skate, so I, I, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to sit But it's not here. a bad observation. I'm not going to sit here sense. and say that these guys aren't skilled or talented. It's, it's bottlenecked. It's and a I, bottleneck sport. And I can see the skill and the talent in what they do. I'm just saying it seems like a lot of goals, which is the ultimate reward and prize in the sport of hockey... Seems like happenstance and luck yeah. to me, personally. So, I thought so Phil you. called you and put you I, up. I, I swear, I thought, I, I thought this was a setup. I swear on everything that means anything to me, that did not happen. This was just something I thought last oh, night. Here we go again. While having another five, here we come, another four years. All right, we're going to go inside the upcoming Minnesota sports gambling bill when we come back here. But Judd has a word quick. Exactly right. I want to talk to you first about my new friends. That's right, my new friends at SeatGeek. You know, the great thing about wanting to go to a sporting event these days is it's never truly sold out. There are tickets available, but this gets us into two key important parts here, folks. Where you go for tickets and whom you can trust. I've got the answer to both these questions, and guess what? It's SeatGeek. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place, so you can easily find those seats that you want for a price that, hey, you're willing to pay. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever. Just go to SeatGeek.com, and you will see all of the ticket-buying options. I'm there right now, and I'm looking at at hockey tickets. I'm looking at concerts. I am looking at basketball games. A ton of stuff. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats that fit your budget. SeatGeek, your go-to source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, my listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code JUDD. That's promo code J-U-D-D for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Do it today. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. Thank you, Jonathan. Jonathan Harrison over there. Uh, it's Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. That's right, 1500 ESPN is now Score North, and you can find us in podcast form, written form on scorenorth.com, social media, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch, all at Score North. And yesterday, we went uh, we went through a, a full segment, basically me ranting about why... Why we, why we don't have legalized sports betting in this state and why we put the vice of gambling over on this uh, stool over here, but I can go and drown myself in sugar and carbs or alcohol and all these other things, so why not why not open up for, for legalized and regulated sports gambling? And Nick Zerwas is a representative who is a co-sponsor of the Minnesota sports gambling bill we expect to see unveiled sometime this week. First of all, Nick, thank you for coming on with us. And second of My all, we'd, thank you. Yeah, we'd love for you to just give us and our audience a glimpse into uh, into what this bill is going to look like. What's the framework of this? What does it mean for sports fans? So, what this bill will allow, following the 2018 uh, Supreme Court ruling that put the decision of betting on sports back in the hands of all 50 states, uh, this bill would be a framework to allow. Minnesota to enter that arena. Now in Minnesota, um, we have tribal casinos that operate uh, gambling uh, within the state already. Uh, those tribal entities are a very big uh, player in this area. And so in respect uh, to that and their ability uh, to either help or, or stop legislation from passing, what uh, the author of the bill, uh, Representative Garofalo and I, 
have done is work very hard to address each and every concern that tribal casinos have identified leading up uh, to the release of this bill. And so, you know, our bill, we hope to have the lowest tax in the entire nation placed on the handles of the bets of this bill. So looking at less than uh, a half of a percent of the handle as the tax that allows for uh, competitive and fun lines uh, to be set. Um, we're going to look at maintaining the, uh, the current practice of having to be on-premise at a tribal casino in order to wager a bet and uh, place a bet uh, for sports betting. And what we also want to do is the tribal entity that expressed concerns about reopening the existing uh, Indian gaming compact that regulates the operation of their casinos. And so we're saying, don't open that one up for casinos that are interested. Let's open up a new compact and negotiate just this sports betting part. So none of their other current operations uh, would be up for negotiation. This is just about expanding this opportunity to Minnesotans here in the same betting format at tribal casinos that Minnesotans have become accustomed to. Okay, all, all that being said, what's the expectation then of, of how this is going to be received by those casinos? You know, I think we have to wait and see. Um, I know we've been in contact with, with those entities over the last several months uh, trying to work through uh, some of their concerns. Uh, earlier this year, they released a letter that detailed their three main concerns. And so we made it a point to identify each of their main concerns and address it within our bill and say, you know, you have concerns about mobile betting and people betting off-premises, not going uh, into your casino. Okay, fine. We'll just do uh, on-premise betting as a way to get the conversation moving and provide this opportunity to residents of Minnesota. What would be the benefit to citizens here in the state of Minnesota of legalized sports betting? So I think if you look at the trend, uh, there's over two dozen states that are now looking at legislation uh, this year after the Supreme Court decision. So this wave is coming. Uh, it's not long before our surrounding states uh, enter into this. Iowa, a major casino in Iowa, is already building a sports book, even though the law hasn't been passed there. So there will be competitive pressure on Minnesota very shortly. And Lord help us, if in a year or two, we as Minnesota Vikings fans have to travel to Wisconsin to place a bet <laughs> on our Vikings kicking Green Bay's butt. <laughs> yeah, it, but for, first it was, you have to travel over to, to buy a beer on Sunday and you have to travel over exactly. and place a bet. I mean, what the heck? Exactly. Shame <laughs> on us. <laughs> Um, Nick Zerwas, Representative Nick Zerwas uh, from Elk River, is is our guest here. I'm Mackie and Jeb with Rami. He's a co-sponsor of the Minnesota Sports Gambling Bill. And I don't know, just one last thing for you here real quick is, why is it, and maybe this is a rhetorical question, Nick, but um, why is it that we look at, if, if you read some of the comments from, from uh, opposition that say, no, we can't, we can't open up this floodgate, we can't normalize and legalize and regulate a behavior such as gambling uh, more than it already is. I mean, 
there are a lot of things that we weigh on a daily basis in terms of risk and what we want to spend our money on. I can go spend my money on eight bottles of vodka if I want to and drown myself. I mean, not to be insensitive. Um, I can eat sugar and carbs and, and weigh 400 pounds. I mean, there's things that things that are legal that we just have to make judgments on on a daily basis. Why is gambling not that way? Well, I think we, have to, we do have to be sensitive. And while we aim to have the lowest tax rate on bets in the entire country, we are not looking at this bill to balance Minnesota's budget or to pay for some new program. What we want is what little money the state would collect in the operation of this. We would want to be set aside to help individuals that may have uh, challenges or problems uh, with gambling and gambling uh, addictions. So we do want to be sensitive to that. But what I'll tell you is we have tens of millions of dollars every uh, single month that Minnesotans are putting on uh, either overseas betting or online betting or through sports books in other states. And so we know through individuals that leave Minnesota, individuals that uh, gamble online illegally, or individuals that just have, you know, bookies. And so there's a lot that happens on the black market in this. What we're saying is let's bring that into the sunshine. Let's do it safely. Let's regulate it. Let's make sure the lines are fair and regulated. Let's make sure that the gambling board is able to oversee it and if there's an irregularity in betting where there might be something wrong we can shut down betting on those instances in case there's an irregularity so what we're saying is this is occurring already we know it's occurring already let's bring it on the sunshine let's provide some very base regulation around it and ensure that people that are uh, proposing bets are doing it safely in a legal and a, a responsible way Nick, thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much, gentlemen. Have a great day. All right. That's uh, Representative Nick Zerwas from Elk River, uh, co-sponsor of a Minnesota sports gambling bill. And a couple questions coming in here on Twitter. At Score North, at Rami is tweeting, at Jay Zolgad, at Phil Mackey. What about a sports book at Canterbury? Um, I mean, we could pepper him with questions all day. I think my read on it is... They're trying to appease the tribes. They're yeah. trying to they're they're trying to make sure that the twenty plus however many tribal casinos are in this state that they're on board for a myriad of reasons. And like he said, let's start there. Let's start with you have to go inside of a tribal casino to place a bet, and then if there's expansion from there. Whether it be Canterbury or online, okay. But let's if if they can get it done by going through this channel, that's the way that they. If work. they did Canterbury, and and try or tried to do, let's say open a casino downtown, that would take how long? Ten years. Oh man! Well, yeah, I mean that that would. I think they're probably smart here because they're basically saying, okay, if we can do it, let's do it, mm-hmm. but let's not get it tied up for X amount of years. So this makes sense as a starting point because then it expands from there, right? Yeah. Once it's, once you start it, it can expand to other um, casinos, possibly sports casinos, internet gambling. But if you go for the whole thing initially, you're talking about tying this thing up for my guess would be eight to 10 years. Yeah, that's probably, I, it's hard to say, but yeah. And it just wouldn't happen soon. Yeah. Like this could happen soon if you do it right. Yeah. 
This could happen, what, 2021 or so. My favorite part right. about when you go to Vegas and you sit in a sports book, it's the only place I drink white Russians. <laughs> what about a sports book? I don't know, man. In you. I don't know. I just, I just sit there. I, I wear my robe down from the hotel room and just wear my basketball. Wow. No, I don't, I don't do that. But, Thanks, Hal. But it's, it's like the only place that I feel like it's socially acceptable to just drink eight white Russians and watch whatever. It's, it's the only place I watch soccer for nine so, hours, too. I'll just sit there and watch. There you go. I watch soccer. I mean, I but was, for like nine hours. I was greatly disappointed. I went to Vegas for the first time, oh, it's probably seven years back now. And I didn't realize it was during the an NFL preseason. And because uh, casinos don't, don't have the old school dishes now, they've got the, you know, they've got the small ones. You couldn't watch games. So, like, unless the game was on nationally, you know, back in the day with, with the old Big Bird dishes, they yeah. would just pull in every game. So, I thought, oh, this is going to be great. I'll see six preseason games. God, help help me. I realize that's a sickness. But I thought, oh, yeah, this, this is cool. And I remember that Saturday night, I believe it was, the Chargers were playing the Vikings. You couldn't watch it. Well, but they have Very they all have, the, like, the league pass. You can watch regular season games. Sure. Pretty much any. Actually, I was flipping around last night. There were... 27 college basketball games on last night. ESPN had two, ESPN2 had two, ESPNU had two, CBS Sports Network had three. It is ridiculous how much you can watch now just on basic cable. It's not like I'm doing an Xfinity ad again. There's no money to pay the kids, though. Clearly. No, no. no. (laughs) Why would you want to corrupt those poor children by paying them when the adults can get all the money? No. Yeah. That that would just be wrong. Yeah, I can't believe you brought that up. You think Zion deserves to get? I mean, what does Zion? Do? I mean, what is it? It's like he's filling stadiums with people who I watch him. You, bring, you come to the show and you bring that. Sorry, first my <laughs> hockey take, and now this is. I'm really off my game today, Judd. Sorry. I just want all the games. I don't care if it's preseason football. I want to see them all. Can we get a Rami hockey take every day on the show? <laughs> that would require him watching more hockey than he probably wants to. I don't blame. Here, the poor here's guy. a hockey question for you. All right. What's the point of breezers? I don't even know. What and a why are they shorts? Bre- the the shorts that okay. they wear on top of their like the breezers, the, the pants, the pants oh, that they okay. wear. The yeah. pants they, they've got breezers? they've got okay. socks on that are below the breezers, and the the breezers are the protective pant that cover your like your thigh. They're sort of weird though. Well, okay. In the eighties, uh, to go back for you, in the eighties, uh, the Flyers and Hartford Whalers and a lot of high school teams around here wore something called Cooperalls, which were long pants that replaced breezers this is with padding all. And in, if right? you if you Google them, you, you'll find Cooperalls. They were not exactly attractive. I believe though that the breezer is, is basically just a hockey tradition. Oh, Cooperalls. Okay. Yeah. Hill Murray High School oh, wore them. Okay. A bunch of high schools wore them. And I know that the Whalers and Flyers wore them for a period no, of time. There they are. Yeah. Yeah, they're sort of ugly. But they're long, <laughs> but they're long hockey pants. But I think breezers and the socks are just basically part. I mean, they're they're protective too, but I also think that they're just part of hockey tradition. Yeah, breezers just look like track pants. Yeah. It's basically what breezers are. Protection. I mean, I'm sorry, the Cooperalls are basically like just yeah. track pants that go over your hockey mm-hmm. pads. Solving hockey's mysteries, one segment at a time here. Yeah, it's just sort of like baseball, okay? It's just like stirrups in baseball? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Do they really make sense? Probably not. (laughs) But we accept them. Every time growing up playing baseball, every time I put on stirrups, I was like, these got to be for something. I don't know what, what, but but Greg Maddox wears them, so (laughs) they got to be for something.